Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Hello all. Hey, hey, hey. I actually caught a couple minutes of that on uh, one of the Nick at Night or whatever they're calling that network now. Dwayne Wayne. Dwayne and Rerun and the Raj. really annoying sister. What was her name? D. D. I'm Danielle D. or D or something. I don't yeah. even know. And then what was the uh, the one who worked, was Shirley? She worked at the the restaurant or whatever. Shirley Hempful. Yeah, she died. I think she is dead. I yep. think. Yeah, she did. So what's happening? Mm, not a whole lot. We're getting close to that holiday season. I know, I can feel it in my bone. <laughs> John's actually got the Santa hat on today. <laughs> yes, my jingle bells are a jingling. Jingle bells. Well, we're, yeah, it's it's uh, December. It's actually snowing up here. We got snow on the ground. It looks like Christmas. It, there was snow, although it was well above freezing today. It made it to about 38, so we got a little bit of a thaw. Yeah, and we're going to head into summer tomorrow. We'll have all four seasons within 24, 48 it's hours. supposed to be warmer yeah. tomorrow, yeah. Yep. Cool. I'm not a big winter guy. I know you're a snowboarder. Oh, yeah. I'm so looking forward to it. And and this year, my birthday falls on a Saturday, and I usually like to go snowboarding on my birthday, you know, clear my head. Well, all right, then. <laughs> you're not going with me this year? I'm hoping for green grass. So, <laughs> oh, you so know. you want me to get hurt? Uh, no, no. I just don't like snowy winters. Mm. Snowy rivers? Yes. You know, a couple things I wanted to talk about. Chris is out of surgery. Excellent. She got the canoe knee, Get and up, up. she's doing great. She got it last Monday. I went to visit her on Tuesday, and she was doing all right. A little bit of pain that day. I went back on Thursday, and she went for a walk with me around nice. the third floor of the hospital. Not as much pain. She was using the walker. When she was walking around, did you hear like the bionic sounds? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. But I did. I think actually, I think I did call her the bionic woman when I went into her room, and then I screamed something like, "Where's Floyd Landis?" and and that was it. <laughs> Did they test her for testosterone? I don't know. I don't know, but she did get a, a joint replaced. And it's uh, artificial joint? Yes. Titanium? <laughs> I, I actually didn't talk to the doctor about that. I Believe it or not, I went to, uh, on Tuesday when I saw Chris, I said, Chris, if you see your doctor, have him like get one of these prosthetics and bring it up and leave it on the table so I can sort of play with you it need and a model. see it. I know. I wanted to see the model, but apparently either she forgot or he just didn't do it. She doesn't have like a little pad on the side of it where like a flap of skin opens up and she can adjust it. Like Commander Data. That's right. <laughs> a little flap and you can see the LEDs blinking. She can make her knee perform even better than it used to. You know, she can kick a ball like three miles. But she did, uh, she had a full leg dressing on on Tuesday. Oh, did she? But on Thursday when I went to see her, she had shorts on and just like a big rectangular dressing over the big gaping scar covered in staples. Ow. And so, uh, yeah, I could see the... The scar on her leg. It's going to be a big one. But Yikes. it's okay. She's got a new knee, and well, she's yeah. doing great. Quality of life is more important than vanity. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I went to see a friend's band. I've been meaning to talk about this for about a month now. I went to see a friend's band, and they're called the Retropolitans. I think you may have mentioned that name before. Yeah. You know, not a big fan of the name, <laughs> but they play like 80s stuff. They do 
like Men at Work, Crowded House, Hey Now, Hey Now, you know, that song is always one of my favorites. The the Finn Brothers, they're really talented in Crowded House, but they do all kinds of 80s stuff, and they really do great covers of all these songs. Well, that stuff's coming back. They can do they can do two guitars and keyboards, or they can do three guitars, and then they have bass and drums as well. But they do a, a slamming job on all of this stuff, and they even busted out a, a Bad Finger tune, which is really 70s, but it rocks. Yeah, that that stuff is definitely on its its way back. The whole new wave thing. There's a lot of bands like the Killers, and and they're they're really making it big. And, and it's actually good stuff because it's almost like they're they're taking the influence from the '80s and they're making better music than it was back then. A lot of the the music back then, it, it's kind of good to hear. It's nostalgic, but the stuff that they're doing today is a little bit better, in yeah. my opinion. But these guys are great. If they play again, I'm, I definitely want to go see them. I, it wasn't quite so long ago. Actually, when I went to see them was Thanksgiving Day. They were playing out at the the hotel there by Sangerton Mall, that little, oh, I can never remember. It's by, like, Big Apple Music near the point. It's set back in there. One of those hotels where you pay by the hour, the vibrating beds. Yeah, yeah, it's got that going for it. And I can't think of what it's called, but they've got a little lounge, a lounge so little that three's a crowd. It truly is. And, and <laughs> they open up a door and break a window. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they sounded great and I uh, had a lot of fun. My friend Jim, one of the guys I record with, plays guitar and sings in that band. Sounds good. Cool. Let's listen to some music some now. Uh, you want to listen to some music? Some now. Where's your music now? Right here. All right, let's check it out. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Smoking. You know who that was? AM4. AM4. Amanda Monaco 4. Amanda Monaco, famously of the lascivious biddies. Or, as one of my friends from California constantly mispronounces their name, the lavicious biddies. Lavicious? <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Is, it, is that on purpose? No, no. It's just like a... <laughs> You know, it's sort of like one of those... Oral dyslexia? Yeah, it's like one of those dyslexic things. What was that one called? It was called D. Period. Period. D. Small D at that. Okay, I'll say it slow. D. It's D. D period. Lowercase D. Lowercase D. So what's going on with uh, our little uh, meme thing? We're going to do a meme? We could. We got, we have a meme. We have, we actually have a requested meme, and it was suggested by the same guy who says "lavicious biddies." <laughs> oh, is it the same Jesse, person, yeah. Jesse? Well, you know what they say. Jesse's had an idea. What's his idea? Not just this meme, but Jesse. Every once in a while, gets fired up by some of the things we say on our show, and he wants to record like the meditarian's response to certain things, not our vegetarianism. But just the general political and or social topics so we talk fine. about. He so should I send said, in the audio message. Yeah, that's what I told him. I said, we, you wouldn't be the first person to send us an audio message, mister. And, you know, maybe we could skeep him. <laughs> we could get the skeep. Because that would be good. Actually, he, could, he could be on the panel. I said that to him. I said, do you have Skype? And he goes, no. I said, do you have broadband? He said, yes. I said, go download Skype because we could actually have you on the program. Yeah, but he doesn't know the skeep thing yet. He's not up to that show yet. Oh. He'll know I just ruined thing. it for him. I know. Oh, wait, but he wouldn't get to this show yet. This is know. like a weird time travel There's thing. There's a vortex thing going on here. Anyways, he suggested a, a meme, and uh, I think we should do it. It's going to be five things you would say to a supreme being if you ever made it up there. Or if there was one. <laughs> or if there was one. I'm, I'm, I had to add that It's a foregone yet. conclusion for me. <sighs> wait a minute. I got to get beamed up. <laughs> There's no beaming. <laughs> Who All wants right. to go first? Um, I'll go first. I wouldn't want to like start the whole conversation out, you know, with some heavy stuff. You know, I'd want to, you know, ease into it, kind of like you, you show up at a party. So I'd say the first thing I would say to him is, and I'm saying him, you know, in quotation marks. I don't know what it is. I'd say, hey, nice place you got here. You do it yourself. All right, that's it. But My I'm, number I need one. The, is... I need the, the rim shot. Yeah. You don't get it. Yeah. It's actually a pretty heavy question. You're, yeah, you're not I got even, it. Oh, geez. okay. It's fine. It's a tough room. <laughs> All right, my question number one is: Where is Jimmy Hoffa? <laughs> He's in the end zone of Giant Stadium. He might That's be. That's a wasted question. But I'm not saying he could be. Well, you know, in his high school yearbook, uh, I was told Jimmy Hoffa was voted most likely to be an off ramp. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Wasn't that uh, Carson? Carson, I know. <laughs> I got to give props to Carson on that one. I remember he said that in the late seventies in his monologue, and t- I steal that. I use that every once in a while whenever Hoffa gets uh, gets mentioned. So yeah, a little many... tribute to the Carson there, the king of late night king TV. of comedy. Not many no, people but... um, even know who Jimmy Hoffa is anymore. His son is still around, involved in the unions and stuff. Yep, he's Jimmy Hoffa Jr. Yep, Carson though the king without question. Absolutely, he's the best. My next question would be. Similar. Who killed JFK? I mean, who was on the grassy knoll? Can you That's give me some insight? One. I didn't think of that one. Good one, yeah. That's it? All right. Well, the other corollary to that would be, you know, how many shooters were there and who were they and things like that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he wouldn't just say, you know, Bob. <laughs> I'd like some more information. Okay. Enlightenment. My question number two is, is Hawking even close? <laughs> close to what? On the whole black hole thing. Stephen Hawking. 
Yeah, I figured. <laughs> I didn't mean. I didn't think you meant uh, like George Hawking or Bob, Bill Bill Hawking. Hawking. Yeah, <laughs> is he even close? Yeah. Well, that whole universe thing. Mm. And I could get into questions about unifying gravity with, you know. Yeah, but else. his answer would be like way over your head. <laughs> it probably would be if there is a supreme being. He's good at math, to say the least. I think he he was the author. Uh, my next question would be: Could I have a do-over? You know, a mulligan. <laughs> what are the odds? Just on life in general? Or? Yeah, sure. That one I screwed up. Can I try again? Yeah. yeah you hit the yeah. reset button. Yeah. I mean, if anyone has the, the authority. Well, my question number three is kind of in line with the first thing you said. My question number three is: Are you man or woman, and are we really made in your image? That's a good one. Yeah. Or are you something else, some other in-between being of some kind? Or did we get it all wrong? That's what you're really asking. Did who get it all wrong? You know, anyone who's purporting that there is a supreme being. Well. Are, how far off off they? The I mean, answer how is far are, probably far off. They're probably miles off, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. I mean. I had a, a math professor once say that there is one answer, and God knows it, and he's not telling <laughs> Well, it's something I occasionally say. To every question, there is an answer. It's just we might never know them, Mm -hmm. you know, because there are answers to all these questions. Absolutely. Some are just too difficult to divine, and we might never know. We're really blowing through this list, man. We got to do some weird tangents or something. (laughs) Usually our memes go on forever. Well, we can make it 50 questions. (laughs) Well, then I got to think more. No. I got another Jimmy Hoffa joke. How many Jimmy Hoffas does it take to screw in a light bulb? No, but I remember when Robin Williams was on Saturday Night Live once, he walked up to her refrigerator and went, Mr. Hoffa, five minutes. I don't know. It was kind of funny. That was lame. <laughs> Tell Robin, not me. It was. You know what? It's it's bad enough that it was a bad joke, but it's worse that you had to repeat the bad joke. It was pretty funny. You had to be there. Uh, I wasn't. I see that. My next question would be, do you think this year the Yankees could get some pitching? The Yankees have had pitching in the past. It's like, what, you're pitching starved? Yes. No, you guys had a great staff, you know, the last time you won the World Series. Mm, no. Well, yeah, when they won the World Series, but when was the last time they won the World Series? I don't know. It's, it's I actually been, don't. It's, you, you being the Yankee fan would actually been, know the answer to that. It's been more than four years, and I'm starting to get antsy. <laughs> Well, you know what they say, the 32nd is the hardest, or whatever that stupid that's thing is all Yankees fans say. All tw- stupid Yankees fans. It's, you know, it's not that bad. It's the 27th. 27th championship. You know, whatever. Who cares? You still got an ass as an owner. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, got, you got a lot. It's an uphill battle for most other people in, this, in the world. Uh, the reason why I even thought of that question is today, today, one of the old Yankees pitchers is, is signed for a one-year contract. He's coming back. Who would that be? Andy Pettit. Mm. The he Mets um, uh, laid some groundwork at the uh, winter meetings. They got some good stuff happening. They re-signed Glavin. Did they? Not at the winter meetings. They did that prior to the winter meetings. That's he good. He did that on purpose just so they'd have some closure with that. This way they knew, you know, what they were going to have to go after, you know, get some resolution on the whole Glavin thing, and mm-hmm. and then they can go after some more people. So they're going after some pitching. Yeah. Is it my turn? It's your turn. Question number four. Number four. Are there other planets with intelligent life, yes or no? Wrong. Next question. <laughs> I think that's a good question. That's another one of those profound ones. No, it is. And I'd be surprised. I'd be shocked and stunned if it if, if the answer was no. There weren't, yeah. 
What was that line that uh, Ellie Ellie's dad said in Contact? It's a whole lot of waste of space if there isn't. That's right. And that's you know good old fashioned Ross Perot thinking to explain it. But and that's the second time I've heard that reference in is in as many days. The Contact reference. The Contact reference. Mm-hmm. It's so odd. Where else did you hear it? I heard someone on the radio said it. Because someone was talking about um, life on other planets and someone saying that, you know, the, the Earth is this this perfect place and it's it's a divine place and, and people are divine and God made people and, and you know, this is a, a one-shot deal and there wouldn't be another planet because then it would sort of break their, their model of the universe and, and deities. So he well, said, that's kind of ridiculous because look at all, all that space out there. If, if we're the only ones, it would be... Uh, Horrible waste of space. Rush Limbaugh is the center of the universe. Well, it's not Rush Limbaugh that said it on the radio. No, I know, but I'm saying. <laughs> he is. He is. I mean. Um, whose turn is it? Um, which which question were you on? It I was, just did my mind number four. Okay, number five. This is the last one for me. Wow, we're going really quick here. I'm not asking a question. I'm just going to make a statement. Mm-hmm. I can, I'm going to walk in and say, sorry. <laughs> That's it. Sorry. You got me. What, huh? I'm going to say I'm sorry. You're going to atone? I'm going to say I'm sorry. To whom? Who am I talking to at this point? For what? Well, mainly for that big faux pas yesterday at the, uh, because that's the one he's going to call you out on first thing, that Christmas party thing. I don't have to tell you. He knows. All right. All right. He or she or it knows. Yeah. It's easier to wrap my mind around a he. (laughs) So what? You were in Brokeback Mountain? I mean, what's that about? I didn't say wrap my arms around, wrap my lips around. I said wrap my mind around. Broke back Talarico over here. <laughs> Holy cow. No, I'm just saying that. It, I wish I could quit you. It's it's easier to think of it as a as a person instead of a thing or an it. Have you seen Brokeback? Not yet. It's in my queue. I actually added it to the queue. It is in my queue as well. All right, my number five. Are you ready? <laughs> this preparing is preparing myself. This is really dumb. Golf. Why? Because <laughs> the gopher needed something to do with the ball. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Because if without golf, there wouldn't be Caddyshack, the movie. Okay, I'm not a big Caddyshack fan. Well, I'm you know. The, I'm not one of the... Uh, the big I'm trying fans. to help him out here. Because I don't think he's got a good answer either. It might not have a good answer if yeah. it exists. Yeah, I never understood golf either, and... and that was something else that came up at the Christmas party. Someone was talking about golf, and I'm thinking to myself, no, not so much. I'm not playing it. I'm not down with the ball and the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I don't, I don't find that enjoyable, chasing a ball around and hitting it and trying to put it in the hole. Reminds me of something <laughs> Beavis and Butthead said. They were out on the golf course, like, you know, fetching the golf balls from the ponds to try to sell them back to the pro shop or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Beavis picked up one of the balls and went, titliest. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I didn't get it at first. And I was watching this episode with a former golfer and son of a big golfer, and he went, titleist. I went, oh, okay, I get it now. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he did. I'm, I'm holding my hands up like Cornholio. That was a good episode. I haven't seen Cornholio 2 yet. I, never I didn't saw that see one. that one. I, I I might actually break down and buy the Beavis and Butthead DVD set in the hopes that it's on there. You know, it's just ridiculous base humor, but it's just so funny. <laughs> it really was funny. Me. It was funny. And, I mean, Mr. Anderson, who eventually became Hank Hill. That's right. And I, I just <laughs> – one of the funniest things Mr. Anderson ever said was he was building a 
uh, he was turning some little outhouse or something in his backyard by his pool into a pool cabana. And he went to like the Home Depot store, the giant warehouse store. And he said, I need some like Spanish roof tiles for my pool cabana. And he's like, all right, it's in section 12, up on shelf 27A, make a left at the... And he gave him these ridiculous directions, and they showed what would have been like a like the overhead security cam, wide-angle uh, view of Mr. Anderson walking around, you know, futilely looking for these cabana tiles. And finally, Mr. Anderson said, where is that hippie clerk? <laughs> it struck me as really funny. Anyway, so there's our meme. Yeah. Brought to you by Jesse. Yeah, if you've got any other, send them in. We'll answer them. Actually, we haven't really had anybody. This is the first viewer suggested topic we've done, isn't it? I think so. Well, except for the other one that that went horribly wrong. (laughs) That one didn't make it the air, though. No, because it involved the cow. (laughs) And you and your friends, and you tried (laughs) to make it with the cow. Lee Harvey. Ixnay on the ovine bay. (laughs) Lee Harvey, you are a madman. I want to party with you. You and me together? Forget about it. Okay, what movie? You have to ask me? Well, I'm asking the audience. All one of them. They're not going to answer. They might in email. Now that our feedback at bloodyvedge.com email address is working. Yeah, and I'm I'm not answering them. I'll I'll let them guess that one. And whoever answers that gets a free prize. Well, I'd bet it all. You know me, Mr. Vegas. You're gone. John Candy. Uh, another dead guy that was great. No clues. Don't give any clues. All right. Yeah. Because, you know, the prize is worth quite a bit. <laughs> That's right. We've got a Philly tune. Yep, it is. Let's just let them listen to it and see if they can figure out who it is, and then we'll tell them later. Cool. All right. Moonlight does funny things, I've heard the wise man say. But when you're in love, your moon shines every day. You don't even care if you're living or you're dead. You're the creature without a head. The cats in the rooftops, the squirrels in the trees. The bats in the belfry with scabs on their knees. All seem to remind me of something I once said To the creature without a hand Once I was so happy, my girl and I were one Everything seemed okay Until that summer night When a radioactive cloud came down And absorbed her head away Yeah. You told me who this was, but I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> that was Lenny in the Squig Tones. You uh, might remember Lavoine and Shoyley. 
Lanny and Squiggy, who were played by Michael McKean and that other guy whose name we can never remember. Squiggy. Look him up on the internet. Let's just, the guy who's a baseball scout now. Now, see, his name is Squiggy. It's Leonard Squigbond. There's a story behind this song. Years ago on Fernwood Tonight, I remember Lenny and Squiggy came out in the 70s, and they played this song, and they told a story about how they had wrote a movie, and uh, they wrote the, the the score for the film as well, and this was one of the songs, and it was a bad horror film called The Creature Without a Head. Well, I hadn't thought about this in years. I actually had that on VHS somewhere, too, their performance of that, and hadn't thought about it in years, and my friend Leo emails me a link to a live album by Lenny and the Squig Tones, probably thinking I might not be familiar with it. And I emailed him back and said, is the creature without a head on it? And I'll be damned if it was. And there you go. So technically that song is illegal and we shouldn't have played it, but I'm pretty sure they're not coming after us for playing that one. Okay, the, the Wikipedia says that Lenny Kaznowski was played by Michael McKean, as we yeah. know, and Andrew Squiggy Squigman. His last name was Squigman. I thought it was Squigmond. No, was Squigman. It? Squigman? Okay. Yeah. David Lander. David Lander. Yeah, he is a scout like in the Seattle organization or something now. Well, I'm clicking the link, and uh, he was born David Landau, apparently. Maybe, That's a good acting maybe, name. Maybe uh, related to Martin Landau. Academy Award winner, Martin Landau, one of my favorites. says he suffers from multiple sclerosis, and uh, let's see. He has a small stake in the Portland Beavers baseball club. Mm-hmm. He's been a baseball talent scout since 1997. First year for the Anaheim Angels and now for the Seattle Mariners. There you go. In the Seattle organization. David Landers. Cool. And Michael McKean, for those of you who aren't aware, was David St. Hubbins in Spinal Tap. And I kind of see that song as another one of the crazy songs that those guys write. And that's why I like it so much. <laughs> yeah. Mighty Wind. There's some great songs in there, too. And you can see that these guys have talent other than writing. Yeah, those guys, Chris Gast. Yeah, his film's going to be shown at uh, at Munson in a couple of weeks. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, the, the previews for that are pretty funny. Yeah. So, speaking of Munson, saw a film, a film that wasn't rated. Not yet, at least. No, it was a film called This Film Is Not Yet Rated, a 2006 film, NR, no rating. <laughs> really? Well, they did submit it for rating, and I'll talk about that a little bit. It's a film by director Kirby Dick, and it's kind of a funny documentary about the MPAA. Jack Valenti, hate him. And He's a weird-looking guy, too. He is an odd-looking sort, isn't he? And all the shenanigans that go on with the MPAA, because the ratings board is basically funded by the big studios. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest complaints of indie filmmakers is that when they submit a film to be rated and... It has, like, scene for scene, similar nudity-type scenes and language. They always get one notch higher a rating than the the major label releases. That's pretty odd. I find it to be peculiar. Uh, there's probably a grassy knoll involved in there, too. There might be. Maybe the, uh, that supreme being knows the that. I guess that should have been question number six. Yeah, what's with the rating system? Yeah, what's with the rating system? And this was a, a fun film. I mean, there were interviews with a lot of great filmmakers. John Waters, Kevin Smith. Mary Heron, Kimberly Pierce, Allison Anders, Jamie Babbitt, Darren Aronofsky, Matt Stone, of course, from South Park, yep. Adam McGoyan. And they talked about all these guys. And they, a lot of independent filmmakers for years have been afraid to come out, as it were, because they know when they submit a film next time, these guys might punish them. The problem being, when a major label release would get an R, these guys are basically getting an NC-17, and a lot of distribution companies and theaters just won't show those. Right, And... 
they showed example for example of the indie film sex scene, shoulder up type camera work and the major release sex scene. And they were like almost identical. It's almost as if just to be clever, the indie filmmakers who made these particular films they were showing used the major films as a model. They placed the camera in the exact same spot. They had the bodies in the same spot. (laughs) And yet they got a tougher rating than the majors. Well, it's all about context. I guess. Yeah. The context was there wasn't any money being handed in a yeah. brown envelope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I love about The Sopranos. Whenever money's given, it's in an envelope. You know, there's the envelope. It's, I got a little envelope for you. I wonder if they get those in bulk. <laughs> they use yeah. a lot of them. I know. They must get a special price, you know, the white envelopes. Yeah, they do protection rackets with the uh, office supply company. So anyway, nobody knows who these people who rate the films are either. So this filmmaker, Kirby Dick, hired some private investigators to stake out the MPAA building, which is kind of this sort of Spanish colonial mall building that has like, you know, CIA type security around it. Black helicopters. Yeah, there's black helicopters flying. It's got, you know, key code controlled gates and there's no external parking. Everybody drives in and their car goes to some like underground parking garage. But anyway, these PIs were able to stake it out get some plate numbers, and find out who some of these reviewers were, which is pretty interesting. because Did they uh, out them in the movie? Yeah, they outed them by name in the film. And I don't know if I'm cool with that, because how are these PIs able to run plate numbers? I mean, I didn't think... I thought only Jim Rockford could do that. Well, I think that, uh, again, it's within the context of the brown envelope (laughs) (laughs) underneath the table somewhere. Now, the the bigger issue was not outing these normal people because these are people who work for the MPAA as raiders. And they're just normal, pretty much normal, everyday Americans. However, when you appeal a film, the appeal board is completely different. And it's actually kind of strange because he did submit this film for rating and it got an NC-17. This film? This film did because he makes a point of showing scenes from other films. Like he showed scenes from uh, Matt Stone's South Park film. Oh, yeah. The the, the puppet uh, kind of film. I, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, the um, Team America. Team America, yeah. yeah. And he showed some scenes from a bunch of films that I've seen at Munson, which had NC-17 ratings, like uh, The Dreamers, which was a really wonderful French film. I saw that. That took place in and around the 68 Paris riots. That's and right. you remember the that. sort of unnatural, incestuous relationship That's they right. implied between the brother and sister. And then there was the guy from America, and they were having like weird three-ways and stuff. But there was some up-close shots of the American guy's penis with her photograph on it. Remember that scene? Mm -hmm. But anyway, they did show a lot of this stuff. So whether or not that made it deserve the NC-17 rating, I don't know. But it did get an NC-17 rating, but ultimately he refused it. I don't want your rating. So that they could have the title, this film is not yet rated, and have it be true, I suspect. But the review board, uh, the appeals board, they were able to... Oh, by the way, the appeals process was absolutely ridiculous. When he got there, he was basically told by the MPAA lawyer, you're not allowed to know their names. You're not allowed to address anybody my name. I will do all the talking. And it was sort of like that guy I met. You know, I will do all the talking. You will not talk to my students. Everybody got a number. It was like... I mean, it was like something out of the prisoner. You are number six. I am number two. I am not a prisoner. I am a free man. It places the lotion in the basket. <laughs> it rubs the lotion on its shoulder. Yeah, kind of like that. So he did the same thing. He had the PIs outside when he knew another film was being appealed, and he ran some plate numbers. And by the way, all the cars pulling out of the APA parking lot were like Porsche, BMW, Mercedes-Benz, high-end Lexus. Without one exception, everybody on the appeals board either works for one of the major studios or owns a major theater chain. 
a, a movie theater chain. I mean, that's just big money. I mean, why? what incentive do these guys have to rate films that are going to compete with them in such a way that sure. would allow them to compete with them? So, I mean, that's just – it's so, so unfair. It seems to me there's a bit of a conflict of interest there. No, I definitely think so. Well, I mean, and, it's absolutely ridiculous. And to me, it would seem that, that – a system like that would want to be transparent so that they could be beyond reproach. But uh, apparently transparency has nothing to do with it. Well, come on. Jack Valenti is the poster boy for all the big corporations in getting things like the Patriot Act, not the Patriot Act, um, the DMCA, the Digital Mm -hmm. Millennium Copyright Act passed. I mean, you know, come on. It's all about helping to lobby Congress to get favorable laws passed for big corporations. And in this case, getting the process rigged so that major studios benefit from the system more than independent filmmakers. And I mean, and it really was, I mean, if you looked at the scenes that they showed scene for scene, there was no difference about the sexuality in these scenes. Yet one got a higher rating than the other and one didn't. And these people are accountable to no one. So I think it's time for them to go gone. See ya. Well, and you know, the, the, um, the indie film, they may have not just been trying to, you know, be cute about it, but they may have actually, pattern their scene after another another film's scene because they knew what kind of rating that they could expect after after doing that because it's a lot of money to reshoot a scene well sure it is but the problem with that is when you go to your appeal you're not allowed to make comparisons you're not allowed to say well geez well because that would be you know making sense yeah that would make sense and that would be calling them out and showing them to be you know on the take but yeah that's actually one of the rules you're not allowed to go, well, geez, in, in film B, look, that sex scene is exactly like mine. Right down to the angle. They get out a protractor. They measure the camera angle, and it's identical, you know? And yet they get a higher rating, an NC-17 or something. It's That scene is, ex- is the exact scene. We actually cut it from the other movie. We, we did. We, we just spliced stole it into it. our film. <laughs> We downloaded it from the internet and spliced it in the in our fact, film. We submitted their film. That's not even our film. You're watching someone else's film. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, and I would suspect that, you know, maybe if they didn't get their grande mocha frappa latte chino, they probably would get a little upset and maybe be more inclined to do NC-17s. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, it's it's all a scam, the whole rating thing. And it really needs to be more transparent. And it needs to be revamped. And this is a, a lot of fun. This film is really cool. Anybody who loves the you know film industry, or I don't know if you can love the film industry, but if you love films, you should really check this one out. It's it's a nice piece of work, and it's fun because they do it like a little bit of a Rockford Files episode. You know, they have the camera in the PI's car, and they're rushing out and they're searching through people's garbage, and they actually search through some of the reviewers' garbage and found some of like the forms that they fill out while they're watching a film, like oh, yeah, you know, comments. intensity of sex one through ten. You know check six or whatever you know they've got these just these forms that you fill out where you're watching and i guess that makes sense i mean there has to be some sort of standardized system but it should apply equally to everyone it's probably easy to fake that stuff too how do you mean well intensity of sex you know you can say well you know i felt that it was a six on thursday i might have felt it was a four friday maybe a nine the other problem it's, I have, it's so subjective. The other problem I have with the review board, and you might take umbrage with this, is that they have uh, two clergymen on the appeal board as well. And I mean, here's the way I think it should be, and here's the way I think Congress should be. By the way, also, I think our United States Congress should be randomly chosen like jury duty. This way, it really is a cross section of America, and I think these review boards should be randomly chosen too. Every film 
let's say they have a thousand people who want to give part time work, do part time work with the MPAA, and then every time a film comes up for review, you know, run the lotto machine with the ping pong balls with the numbers on it, pick ten names, have them review a film, you know, and have them just be normal everyday people, you know, I mean that might work a little better, and let's keep some of these industry executives off the appeal board. I don't have a problem with there being clergy on the board. I might have a problem with them requiring clergy to be on the board. They Well, yeah, if a, if a clergyman randomly popped up, that would be fine in the system that I just recommended. But I think they do require a clergyman to be on the board. And I mean, why? It, appeasement, probably. Eh, these guys are experts in what? Appeasement. <laughs> divinity. <laughs> they have their degree in divinity. Anyway. Well, that's what I mean. If, if they were experts in film, if these people had legitimate qualifications and they just so happened to be clergy, that's fine. Yeah. That's a different perspective. There probably are some clergy filmmakers out there. There probably are some serious clergy filmmakers. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. We should do a little uh, Google search on that. We have that. to investigate. We shall. Anyway, I think that's a sure. It's a very good shoe. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I guess this is a sad goodbye. Why? It's not over. <laughs> it's not over till it's over. It's not over until... What's the saying? Till it's not over till... Billy Jonathan Idol sings? Yes. Anyway, you've been listening to Bloodthirsty Vegetarian... Uh, vegetarian... Vegetarian. What the hell are we listening to? Uh, I don't know what you mean. We're, Blood, the, we're the Bloody Veg people. We're the Bloodthirsty Vegetarians. Check us on the web. www.bloodyveg.com Forum is at bloodyveg.com slash forum and, and then you can you... send us feedback at feedback at bloodyveg.com imagine that it actually works so it's getting to be Christmas time so we're going to do a couple more episodes and uh, we'll actually have one out on Christmas day and remember this has been a presentation of VIB VIB